Welcome to the Mapped Out Money Podcast, where we help you understand finance and manage your money so you can get on with living your adventure. You're listening to episode number 12. And today's episode is sponsored by the Mapped Out Money resources page. So if you go to mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources, uh, you can see a list of all the books and podcasts and YouTubers and bloggers uh, that Hannah and I would recommend for learning more about personal finance and self-improvement and kind of all the stuff we talk about here on the show. Now, it's also a good way to support me and Hannah and the show if you're interested because the vast majority of the links on that page are affiliate links, which means that if you go through and purchase uh, that tool or that book or whatever it is we're recommending, uh, we will get some kickback for that. So if you want to support the show or you're interested in learning more uh, about what we would recommend to kind of take your personal finances and everything else to the next level, then be sure to check out mappedoutmoney.com forward slash resources. So today we're talking about one of Nick's favorite topics, which is saving money. That's right. I do like saving the monies. I know you do. Uh, we're hopefully going to talk about saving money in a way that helps you spend money uh, in ways that you actually really like. So it's, it's not all about saving for the sake of saving and being restrictive. Yeah. It's about getting efficient with your money so that you can hit all of your priorities without feeling the restriction that most people tend to associate with a budget. So I think to kind of set this episode up, I want to talk about this idea of needs and wants. And, you know, I think we've heard this before, like, oh, take a look at your needs and your wants. Is this, really a, is this really a need or is it more of a want? And I think the reality is, if you're listening to this, uh, you're using technology and you're using the Internet, there's a really good chance that your basic needs are met, right? Food, water, shelter. That's really all you need, which means that for the vast majority of us living in a first world country, almost everything we purchase is a want. And it's just a matter of like, how badly do we want that thing compared to all the other wants that we could be purchasing? Mm-hmm. And so I don't think needs versus wants is a helpful conversation. Instead, what we need to find is, is a way to analyze our wants and put them through a filter to figure out which wants we want the most. It's <laughs> a lot of wants. It's <laughs> a lot of wants. Yep. And I think part of this also comes from the fact that um, so a lot of a lot of neuroscientists and psychologists, and if depending on what studies you look at, if you look at habits and sort of subconscious human actions, you'll find that anywhere from like forty to ninety ish percent. I know it's a big range. I love that. Yeah, I was it's, say, it's I ridiculous. Love that range. <laughs> uh, of of your actions on a daily basis are based on habits. So even if we go really conservative and say, okay, let's just say fifty. of your choices on a daily basis, this is the stuff that you purchase, where you choose to live, the route that you drive to work, uh, the type of phone you choose to use, the apps you download on your phone, even to little things like which pant leg you put on first in the morning. Every single action you take, especially the ones including your purchases, are not made consciously. They're often made subconsciously based on habits, what you've previously done, or based on uh, what the people around you are doing. So what we want to attempt to do is, again, give ourselves a framework or a filter that we can use to take those typical money spending actions and take them out of the subconscious and pull them into a conscious realm so that we're actively consciously spending our money in ways 
that aligns with the things that we truly care about the most. Another kind of piece of this puzzle that made us feel like this is an important topic to talk about are the statistics around anxiety in the U.S. And it's like one in five adults like suffer from anxiety. And then there's some other outrageous number of like the number of people that have a physical manifestation of anxiety. And I think like we've talked about on the show before of living according to the status quo where, you know, you end up in this job that maybe you don't like and maybe you totally hate and you develop this lifestyle that requires the money from that job that you don't like, and then you get deeper and deeper into that, the golden handcuffs type scenario, where you're unhappy with your situation, and you're buying stuff to cope, and you're buying stuff to keep up with other people. And And all that stuff that you're buying is keeping you locked into that job that you don't like in the first place. Yeah, but most of those actions are, you know, subconscious you're not you're not making the active decision of like is this is this actually the direction that i want my life to go so yeah i think those two things go hand in hand and it's it's the whole fight club idea of you know buying stuff you don't want to impress people you don't like kind of thing yep why are we doing that and so that that's really what it comes down to is this this episode is all about why are you spending the way you're spending and then how can we spend in a way that is more aligned with the things that you truly value. Yeah, so we hope that you'll walk away from this episode with an actionable kind of mental exercise to go through um, when you're making daily purchasing decisions, but also when you're looking back at how you've spent your money um, and and making sure that that's helping you move in the direction you want to go. Right. So with that being said, um, I think we can kind of jump into the core concept for today, which is when you make a purchase, you are rarely, almost almost never, just purchasing the thing that you think you're purchasing. At face value. You're yeah. not purchasing this face value item. Instead, you're purchasing something underneath mm-hmm. that, right? So whenever we buy something, we might be buying it for a sense of belonging. Maybe this item or this thing um, puts us in fitting in with a certain group, right, that we want to belong to. Or... Uh, we're buying something for convenience or we're buying a, a feeling to make us feel good or we're buying entertainment because we want to be entertained. Or maybe you're going to buy Carrie Underwood's workout clothes because that's right. you think it'll make you be more They're going to make you look more like Carrie Underwood. That's right. Right. That's right. We're yeah. buying that new latest golf club to make our game better or we're buying the newest guitar pedal because we'll mm-hmm. be able to play better. Yeah. We're not buying the actual hunk of metal in the guitar pedal. We're buying this idea that it's going to make us a better player, which even that could be potentially rooted in, and then people will like me more, mm-hmm. right? Or be more impressed by me or something. Yeah, so there's all these layers there's so many to layers everything to that we spend money on. That's right. So the, the core concept is whenever you're making a purchase, you are probably not buying that thing for face value. Instead, there's something underneath that's motivating you to buy that thing, and we need to dive in, figure out what that is that's motivating you. Mm-hmm. And so kind of the process we're, we're going to talk through, I, I think we can talk through these four steps, right? Mm-hmm. And then and then we'll, we'll kind of go back through those four steps a couple times with specific examples from mine and Hannah's life. So the first step is you've got to first identify what are some of your core values? Like when you think about a long list of what you could be buying when you're making a purchase, if you were to map those out and sort of circle hey, what are some of the things I care the most about? What would be on that list? So for me and you, uh, it would be like a really 
aesthetically pleasing home or environment, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people can relate to that one now that more people are working from home. Like when you spend a lot of time in your space, it affects how you feel mentally, like how you work, your productivity and everything. And so that is something that we've spent money on. Um, because that's a big value it's for us. It's really important to us, and mm-hmm. especially since we work from home. Um, we spend a lot of time here. Mm-hmm. Another one is social time with each other and social time with our family and friends. But, you know, family is a big one for us. Mm-hmm. That kind of leads into another one, which would be like supporting family, making sure like we're using our money in a way to help family when and if need be. We also care deeply about our pets and the joy and the value that they bring mm-hmm. and sort of the underlying, I guess, joy that that they bring us. We also care deeply about travel and sort of exploring or or novelty, right? New things. Obviously, we live in an RV and we travel. Like that's a big piece of of one of the values we care about. But at the same time, we value planning for the future and being prepared for what we need to be prepared for years from now. That's right. So it's, it's this delicate balance of how can we spend money today to get some of the novelty and the travel, but do it in a way that won't uh, deter us from where we want to be in the future. Mm-hmm. So all of those are kind of guiding lights that we go back to to help us make decisions about purchases that we make. That's right. And whether or not it's a, I don't want to say good use of our money because it's not good or bad. Yeah. It's just, is this the thing that we actually care about? Is our money going towards what we actually care about? And that that kind of leads us to, to the second step, right? Which is once you get clear on what some of your values are, the second step is um, at for any given purchase that you're analyzing, asking yourself, okay, what's the underlying value that I'm really drawn to this thing for? Yeah. Do I like this tank top just because it's a tank top and I need a tank top? Or do I like this tank top because it's Carrie Underwood's brand and right. it's going to make me feel better when I work out? And not that that's a bad thing. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that that might be perfectly fine. Maybe I need a little extra motivation for my workouts and that's kind of going to help me keep going and give me some energy going forward. That's fine. Um but yeah, that is that's what we're. It's looking recognizing at. like, okay, what's the actual thing I'm trying to buy here, mm-hmm. and that brings us to the third step, which is basically just asking yourself, okay, do those align, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I know what my values are, I know sort of what I care about, and then now I've thought through what the value is of this thing that I'm about to purchase. Do those two line up? Yeah, and I want to be really clear here. There's zero judgment from me and Hannah. Uh, and this is what I say to all like the people that I work with, like there's zero judgment for what your values are, the things that you care about spending on. The The key with this conversation is we're all different. Me and Hannah have very different sort of what we care to spend money on than a lot of people. Yeah. Right? And we've had lots of people tell us that we're idiots for liking totally. to spend money on what we like to spend money that's on. That's right. And, and that's I mean, even within the RV community of people who have a shared value of travel and novelty, there's way Way different different ways to RV and spend money on your RV and all that stuff. And it all has to do with the the way you value what you're what you're doing. And so as we're talking through this, we're not there's not a right or a wrong way. It's just getting clear on your values. That's right. And so um, don't. Don't feel like, I guess, demonized or anything like that as you're thinking through your own purchases and your own values. Like, I just want you to lean in and think through, okay, what do I really care about? What am I spending on? Do those align? Yeah. And then the the fourth step is after sort of going through those first three, the fourth step is, uh, is there a less expensive alternative to this purchase 
but that still gets me the same value. Mm -hmm. Is there a way that I can spend less money and still get the same thing that I actually care about? So now with those kind of four steps in mind, we can talk through a few examples. So do you want to kind of kick us off and talk through the eating out one? Yeah. So um, especially when we first started traveling, like we were living in the Airstream full time. We were both working from the Airstream. We got into a habit of going out to eat. A lot. A lot. Yeah. When we looked back at like our previous month spending, made us want to cringe looking back at how much we had spent at restaurants. And so we started trying to dive into that a little bit more like why? Okay, we clearly wanted to go out to eat in the moment. So why is that making us cringe when we're looking Looking back back on on it? it? So, you know, we laid out our values and priorities that we kind of talked through earlier in the episode. So family, friends, you know, social time, our home environment, our pets and traveling, all that stuff. And then we started looking at our spending on restaurants and what values could come out of that. So some of the values that you could get from going out to eat are just convenience, not having to wash dishes, not having to cook. You could go for the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, You could go for the food itself. Like it's just super high quality food. Yeah, like you're a foodie person. Yep. You go for um, just the social aspect, just to hang out with people. So we kind of talked through those and we were like, well, what are, what are we going for? Yeah. And we realized, okay, most of the time we kind of just want to change the scenery from the Airstream or it's coming from this place of laziness, like, oh, it's six o'clock and we haven't cooked anything. <laughs> you want to just go out? Yeah. And um, when we realize that, we're like, you know, social time with each other that, lines up. That fits in with our with values. our values. And so does the newness, the sort of the novelty yeah. of the new experience or whatever. But the whole us just being lazy sometimes, that doesn't play no. into our value. We're like, okay, we, we just need to suck it up and cook a little bit more often yeah. when it comes right down to it. You know, we kind of got this mixed signal when we analyzed it. Like, well, it kind of aligns with our values, and it kind of doesn't. So then we went to kind of the the fourth step in all of this, which is, is there an alternative that I can use to get what I want out of this that's less expensive? And so for us, we figured out, like, we can go to coffee shops and spend 5 to $10 instead of the 30 to $40 that we would spend at a restaurant. And we can get a change of scenery. We can have, like, the social kind of interactive out around other people aspect. It still kind of gives us that sense of exploring whatever town we're in and getting to see some of the area. And it's a heck of a lot less money. And so then we can either go out the same amount of times to coffee shops and save that extra money, or we can go out a heck of a lot more and spend the same amount. Yeah, I think that's an important point, right? It's not all about like, oh, now there's this less expensive alternative. So I'm going to switch my eating out to coffee shops and now I'm going to save way more money. Like you could do that. Mm -hmm. But I love that point there of like, or you could keep your total monthly uh, allotted spending for going out the same. Mm -hmm. And now you can just go out. Yeah, maybe we want to go to coffee shops three times a week. That's right. Whatever. So now you can afford to go out a lot more on the exact same budget because you're hyper-focused on getting that specific value, not just blindly eating out because- Hey, we're going out, right? And it's so easy, especially like in a a work environment to go out with lunch or go out after work for drinks or whatever. And maybe that is really important to you. Maybe that lines up with your top values. But a lot of times 
it doesn't if you think about it. Well, and so often like we're triggered by things that we we don't even think about, you know, like maybe you drive home past the same restaurant every day and you find yourself stopping there almost every day to eat dinner, you know, whatever it is. And it, it comes back to that whole subconscious kind of thing. We don't even we don't even realize we're making a choice when we're doing it in the moment. And on the whole coffee shop thing, I, I won't spend long on this little tangent, but in, in the personal finance world, there's there's an argument that you'll sometimes hear called the latte factor. And most recently, it's it's been the avocado toast factor, right? And people write these articles about how, oh, if you give up your daily latte and you invest that money into a solid index fund and blah, 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 over the course of 40 years, you're going to have all this money, right? And you sort of have two camps. You have the camp that's like, skip the latte, invest the money. And then you also have the camp that's like, look, latte, not that big a deal. Focus on big wins. Pay the $4. Enjoy your latte. Get on with life. We tend to fall kind of in this middle camp, which says, okay, before we even argue about the latte, let's just ask, do you even want the latte? Yeah. Right? And, and that's that's the whole point because you get into this mindless rut of like, well, I just always go to Starbucks on my way to work or mm-hmm. I just always whatever. And you're not consciously thinking about it. And so now if you're filtering it through this lens of like, okay, what is that latte? What's the value I'm getting here? Does that align with my top values? Yes or no? And then help using that as a an answer to the question of should you buy it or not? Well, and it comes down to that whole idea of um, there's freedom within boundaries, yeah. you know, and like the whole idea of most of us, I would say pretty much all of us thrive on some sort of structure. Yep. And um, if you don't have a budget, then your money has no structure. Yeah. And when you're making when you're making those purchasing decisions, it's like you don't you don't have a way to prioritize and balance. Yes, I want this thing. No, I don't want this thing that much. Um, This thing is more important or whatever. You don't have those boundaries helping you define what you actually want. And so I think a lot of people think of a budget as being restrictive, but if you do it in the right way, it does help you get more efficient with your money so that you enjoy your money a lot more while still hitting your priorities for today and your long-term priorities and goals. This value discussion has also helped me be a lot more grateful. So like you said, that budget, it helps you get clarity around like, to the today and also the future, it also helps me be more grateful because I've found that sometimes like I look at our budget and I'm like, man, I really would like to go out again. You know, we just, we're out of money for the month. You Mm -hmm. know, like we don't have any more money in our eating out budget. And whenever I'm kind of like bummed out about that or I can't buy this backpack or whatever, for me, I always look at our pets. I always look at our our two cats and our two dogs uh, and I look at how much joy they bring us and the fact that we spend 300 to 350 bucks a month on average mm-hmm. to feed them and medical and everything else. And I'm like, you know what? They're worth it. And I'm so grateful that we've chosen to spend our money in that way. Uh, and then I, I'm not, I don't even feel bad that I can't do whatever it is I, I wanted to do because, yeah. because it's, it's a constant like reminder of everything look that I look around at and go like, man, we did get clear on these values, and you know what? Those pets are are the most important thing, uh, you know. And so I'm really happy with with the way we've chosen, and that means I can't go out right now. And you know what? I'm cool with that. Yeah. And the other way that that plays out sometimes is sometimes we move money around in our budget. Like, hey, we didn't use that much gas money this right. month, so we actually do have some extra money there, and we can move that into our eating out budget and go out to eat again. Yeah. 
But it makes you way more conscious of the fact of like, man, what a treat that we're getting to go out to eat. So it's that whole conscious spending idea. Like you're not mindlessly going out to eat. You've really thought through it. You know, like you've made the effort of moving that money from this area of your budget to that area of your budget. And you're really enjoying the whole experience while you're out doing it. That's right. Okay. So I want to do another example, but this example, I, I want to use somewhat of a more extreme example only only for the sake of saying like everyone is different and this is sort of a Ramit Sethi idea of uh, when I read his book I will teach you to be rich one of the biggest concepts I took away was once you get clear on the things you care about I want you to spend big in mm-hmm. those areas and then I want you to ruthlessly cut on everything else mm-hmm. which means that sometimes you're going to ruthlessly cut in areas that other people are going to think that's crazy mm-hmm. and so like for one of our examples we um when we travel across the country without our rv now when we have our rv it's very easy we stay in the rv obviously but if we're traveling without it which we've done a couple of times um you can stay in a hotel which is what most normal people would do <laughs> right uh but you could also camp or in our case since we have a truck with a very large truck bed we could throw a mattress in the back of the truck bed and stay for free overnight in like a walmart parking lot or at a truck stop and then we can just in the morning pay for a shower so let me map this out for the value piece hannah's laughing at and me. anybody who's like like shower at a truck stop y'all you haven't lived they're life nice. until you have nice. showered at a pilot like yeah. i'm telling you they're top them, notch. but the pilots in particular yeah you don't want to go to like we've done some mom and pop kind of yeah, truck don't stops do you don't want to live that life no but pilot pilot it's, it's nice yep so so from a values perspective right here's how we work this out the average night at a, like a hotel that we're gonna stay at is probably gonna be like you know at the time when we were talking about this is like 100 bucks like let's just use easy math 100 bucks a night okay and so what does a hotel bring right it brings a decent bed right somewhat comfortable bed uh, it brings um somewhat decent safety right it brings uh hot water for a shower uh it brings like nice amenities um it potentially brings a breakfast in the morning mm-hmm. um right so there's a there's a long list of items that a hotel could bring when we kind of map that out and we said okay really the main thing we care about is the hot shower we really don't care about all the other stuff. Like mm-hmm. breakfast, we can do on our own. I'm not cared about the amenity. Like we'll figure it out. And yeah, we so can have granola bars. We can have granola bars. Yeah. Not a big deal, right? And so what we figured out is like over the course of like let's say a week and a half long trip, if we didn't stay in a hotel, this is like a backpacking type. Yeah, it's trip. a backpacking we should say trip, that. right? <laughs> this is a backpacking trip, right? <clears throat> but but still, so over the course of a week and a half long trip, we where we're going out to Colorado and hiking and doing all this stuff. If we're on average, instead of spending $100 a night in a hotel, spending uh, $10 on a shower, shower, we're talking about six, seven, eight hundred dollar difference over the course of a week and a half. Mm -hmm. And that kind of money, well, now we can take that money and we can spend big on the things we do care about, which is like more travel, right? Mm -hmm. It's, It's more trips or it's more things on that trip. Or maybe it's even eating out in cooler places on that trip because now we have the budget to do so. Or it's paying for that extra piece of equipment for us to do that specific hike or whatever, whatever, whatever. I think that's a good example, but I want to make it a little less extreme for some people. So 
we found ourselves doing this too, especially now with Airbnb. Yeah. There's the whole like experience that comes along with these yes. unique Airbnbs. And it can be really easy to get wrapped up in that. And what we found for ourselves is that we do this with campgrounds too. We have to step back and go, okay, well, is the experience of the place that I'm staying, is that actually what I'm going for? Or am I going to go out into the town and hike or, you know, whatever? Am I going to go out and do things where I'm not even going to spend that much time wherever it is that I'm sleeping? Yeah. And so working through some of that. And sometimes we do value where we're going to stay. Totally. Like when we do our annual kind of planning trip where it's just me and you for a couple of days and we're kind of like, you know, revisiting some of our goals and all that kind of stuff. We spend the whole time pretty much. At the cabin. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like we got to have the hot tub. We got to have, you know, whatever. We want it to be like a nice place to stay. But like with campgrounds. When we first got in the Airstream, you know, you always want like the Instagram experience. Oh, yeah. And so it's like, oh, well, let's pay triple to go stay in that really cool campground. And then, you know, well, it'll be amazing because our our Airstream will be somewhere really cool. And then you realize like, okay, during the day we're going out and we're doing stuff. And then we're coming back to the Airstream at night and we're not even really seeing this cool campground that we're paying triple for. Like we might as well go stay at the cheaper one and then spend that money elsewhere or save it to go towards something long term. So yeah, it's just it's thinking through all of that and like what am I trying to get out of this? That's right. That's right. No, I think I think it's a good point cuz um it's fun to talk about the extreme examples sometimes, but you bring up a great point of like it's 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 also hyper focused because we don't it's not like we always do that. Mm-hmm. You're you're totally spot on. I think the other kind of the other quick example, right? It's it's all about the trade-offs about the underlying value. So, you know, one example we used to share, and it's not as relevant anymore because these days we do have expensive phones because our phones support our business and we have to have them because we live in our RV. But in our first couple of years of marriage, we used an, an extremely cheap phone service called Republic Wireless, uh, and we used very like kind of cheap phones. And uh, our phones only worked on internet, so like, and then sometimes they would piggyback off cell towers. But the point was a value thing. We didn't have a lot of money in those first couple of years of marriage, especially. And so when we dropped our phone bills, Republic Wireless was 25 bucks a month total For, out yeah, the door. Both of us. Yeah. And so that was 300 or what is that? I can't even do math. Two, yeah, $300 a year total. Okay. These days we pay 300 a month for cell phone and internet stuff in an RV. Mm-hmm. So 300 for a year, we were able to take that money and do a really cool trip, right, at the end of the year that we would have spent on well, a typical phone bill. And more than that, like, we were able to pay for a car in cash. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, we, we did that in several different areas and were able to save up for some big purchases that we needed to make in our first couple of years of marriage. And, and doing that helped keep us out of debt. That's right. And leave us flexible to do things in the future that most people don't consider an option. That's right. So like Sorry. like taking pay cuts to change directions and try different things and move into an RV and, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I think kind of along those lines, one of our values is a value of flexibility. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things we are always looking at whenever we make a purchase is um, will this inherently make us more uh, 
what's the opposite of in, inflexible? <laughs> uh, rigid. <laughs> rigid. Yeah. Will this will this make us more rigid? Will this make it harder for us to maneuver? Uh, and we really value flexibility and being able to make changes. And so we try not to spend money in a way that's going to lock us down. Sometimes, but again, again, it's just doing it in a mindful way. No, you're right. Because when we get our every time we've gotten a pet. We've made ourselves a yeah. little bit more rigid. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. So there's the trade-off, right? We value the joy and the daily experience that the pets bring us over having that extra added flexibility, uh, which yeah, keeps we're us- Yeah, we're not going to go travel in Yeah, Europe we're not doing international months. travel yeah. because we have four pets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that in mind, um, kind of thinking through what, what I want you to, to, to do if you're listening to this is I want you to think through this in two main ways, okay? You- you can use this framework of what are these underlying values and do they align with my bigger values in the hyper-focused, in-the-moment purchase, right? I want you to start asking yourself when you when you have that impulse buy I do this at Amazon TJ Maxx all the time. Or TJ Maxx, yeah. You, you start asking yourself, okay, stop, pause, hold up. What's the value here that I'm actually buying? Does this align with my bigger values that I know are most important to me? And filter those hyper-focused, in-the-moment purchases through that. And then also use this whole kind of framework to look at your previous spending. So if you have been using a budgeting tool like YNAB or Mint and you have data on where your spending is going, now we can go back and look at our spending and really ask ourselves, okay, does does this spending align with my top values and priorities? And most of the time your gut will tell you that. That's right. Like you'll look at some total and just cringe at what you're spending. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And then, you know, kind of lastly, obviously it's going to help you make future purchases, which is kind of where I wanted to go next is kind of talk through where how we're even thinking through this conversation as we consider our next move out of the airstream. And, you know, we don't even know how soon or how not soon that's going to be. And that's part of this whole conversation of what do we value? What's most important to us right now? And what do we value in a home? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we've been in several different little towns that we've liked. And um, one in particular, it's like, okay, you can get right in the the town area yeah and this very walkable community yes. and like like a very strong sense of community yeah. small town feel like uh, feels like gilmore girls yeah stars hollow that's right um so it's it's that environment but you're probably doubling at least your yeah. house housing cost if you live in that versus living like 15 minutes outside of it. Yeah, I'm buying a comparable house just shortly outside. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked a lot about that. Like, okay, well, what do we value? Would we rather have a bigger house and, you know, probably more land and be 15 or 20 minutes outside of town? Or would we rather say, you know what, we're willing to pay more for a smaller house and be within walking distance to the grocery store and be really tight knit in this community and be where we can step right outside our door and go walking all over the place and jogging all over the place and and just have everything at our fingertips, basically, and live this lifestyle. I mean, most people that you see, it's like they have a car and then they have a golf cart. Yeah. You know, it's like a golf cart is a legitimate way of getting around. Yeah. Do we value that enough to pay that extra for that and maybe delay buying a house so that we can afford that? Um, so, yeah, that's all stuff that we're... And the answer is we don't know. Yeah. We're, <laughs> yeah, we're know, weighing like, it out. We don't we're, know. We're, we're constantly talking about it. And, and even, you know, we're coming up on three years now in the Airstream and we love 
our airstream. We love traveling, but we're also trying to figure out like how much longer do we want to do this? And Mm -hmm. I think there's some days where both of us are kind of like, okay, I think we're about ready to be done. And then there are other days where it's like, I could see us doing this for another three years, you know? So it's like, (laughs) it's, I don't know. And, but we're, we're trying very hard to use this framework of like not getting caught up in the house we see on Zillow Mm -hmm. or getting caught up in the whatever town we're going to travel to next in the Airstream, but instead really trying to drill down into, okay, what's the underlying value that I'm really drawn to this for? Yeah. So, so like with us, you know, we have to analyze, do we actually want to be out of the Airstream and in a house or has COVID kind of knocked us off our feet a little bit and we've been living out of suitcases and we're feeling very unstable and we're trying to cope with that by getting stability from a house. That's right. Um, So, I mean, there's all sorts of factors that play into that, but it really does all come down to just being mindful and thinking about what you're doing and not falling into those subconscious spending decisions. And also, also not assuming, not assuming that something's impossible or that you can't afford something without actually analyzing it. Um, You know, I think a lot of people... I'm bad about that. Yeah. Well, Nick and I experienced this when we were in Chattanooga. We we lived in several different apartments and we lived in progressively more expensive apartments as we could afford it. The last apartment that we lived in was a much more like resort type living situation. And we moved into that one after there were multiple shootings at at the last one one that we were living at. But more problematic were the incredibly horrible cockroach (laughs) infestation that we could not get rid of. But um, so, yeah, so we moved up from that to this more kind of resort style apartment. And one of the guys that Nick worked with was like, oh, whoa, you live there? That's so expensive. Well, we knew that him and his wife lived in an apartment complex, like just right down the road from where we were. Yeah. And so we got curious and just started looking at their prices. And there was, it was like less than $50 difference per month. month. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that is a difference. Like it's something to take into consideration. But we got the idea that this guy had never, he just assumed Oh, that's way more expensive. I'm there's no way I could live there. Or there's no way I'm going to pay for that or whatever. And it he probably hadn't even really looked at it to see what the price difference was between where he was living and there. Totally. Um, no, I think that's spot on. And I mean, we did that in our RV search. I, I've done that a lot. I've learned over the years not to make snap judgments like that and instead actually investigate. But you do. You think like, oh, we can never do that. Or, yeah. Oh, well, when no we way. first started looking at RVs, we were like, oh, we can never afford an Airstream. Yep. And it's like, uh, yeah, we're not going to go out and buy yeah, we can't afford a $150,000 2020. <laughs> 2020 Airstream or yeah. whatever. But we get a 10-year-old one. Picks it up. <laughs> yeah. 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 So it just, it comes down to challenging those assumptions and being mindful because yeah. the fact is most people are living life in a not very mindful way. That's right. And um, it's like the book, I Miss You When I Blink, that we've talked about on the show before. And she kind of redefines the whole midlife crisis idea and talks about, you know, we, we live lives where we we're just on autopilot and then all of a sudden we wake up and we we're clearly the person who's made all the choices that have led us to where we are today, but we don't recognize our life anymore. And I think that's the situation that a lot of people find themselves in with their finances and just with their life in general. And so you do find yourself in this kind of, you know, midlife crisis type scenario. So it's trying to 
put in place some thought exercises for yourself to just run through to get yourself out, out of autopilot. Totally. Yep. I mean, it's it's uh, it's those thought exercises about making trade-offs with your purchases and with your money, uh, but with this sort of value filter in place. Mm-hmm. You know, ultimately, you need to, to use that to figure out what it is that you like and not what we like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we will share with you some, some stuff, stuff that we, we like. like. <laughs> so for today, for stuff we like... Um, we're going to talk about kind of an ex- kind of an expensive purchase. I feel like yeah, um, the Berkey water filter. Mm-hmm. So normally we share like books and I don't know it, videos and podcasts and things. Today in we're this sharing segment. the Lamborghini of water. Filters. The Lamborghini of water filters. That's right, <laughs> uh, and it also perfectly matches our airstream because it's like it all silver. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, ba- basically, you know, as an RVer, especially, um, you don't want to just drink water out of the tap. Right, because you don't know where you're hooking up. You don't know well, what's going on. And you do have filters, like they out, have filters, but they're outside not outside that hooks your hose. I don't know. It's just questionable. It's questionable. So you know, a lot of the times, what a lot of RVers do is they buy water and water bottles and things like that. But that has its own problems, right? Because even that, you know, you got to be concerned about some health stuff. It's also not like ideal. It's also expensive. So all that to say, we recently got a Berkey, which is like I don't know. It's supposed to be like the most amazingly filtered water ever. Yeah, it's supposed and to get a lot of chemicals out. I can totally say, like, my water's really good. <laughs> it is really good water. It's really good. It may totally be in my head, but I don't, I don't even know. care. So, um, But the other thing is it freed up a lot of storage space it that it we were using for water. It a storage space for so. water, especially, like, for cooking, because we used to keep gallons of water to cook with and mm-hmm. everything like that. And so now uh, we feel really comfortable using our tap water. Boom, put it in the Berkey. And uh, rock and roll. So if you are looking for some water filters. Check out Berkey. Check out Berkey. I don't know. It sounds like an ad. ad. But uh, yeah, they don't pay us for this, right? This is just stuff we like. And that's what we like. But Berkey, if you ever listen and you want to pay us for this. Hey, let us know. Yeah. But, you know, to bring it full circle on the values piece, one of our top values, especially over the past, I don't know, what, year probably, we've gotten much more serious about our health Mm -hmm. and our nutrition and our our workouts and just in general our health over the last year. We've gotten a little more hippie too with like chemical consumption and yeah, like yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff so um so with that in mind like this is kind of a, a big piece of that and that underlying value is really what is driving this is making sure that we're drinking a lot of water and that it's healthy water so uh to kind of put a bow on this whole thing today the bottom line is these four steps right what are your top values and priorities what do you care about what do you and your family care about and then hyperanalyzing your purchases what are the underlying values that you're actually purchasing? Step number three is just comparing the two. Does the underlying value that you're purchasing align with the things that you've said are your top values? And then number four, is there a less expensive alternative to get the same value that you're after? Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode. I hope that you use it to look at future purchases and look at your past purchases and really just make sure you're using as many dollars as possible on the things that you care about the most. As always, thanks so much for listening, and we will see you next time.